So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle cast, welcome back to the podcast for some more Star Wars action and video game action. We are talking Jedi Fallen Order today. Of course, I have on the inimitable Jedi geek girl, JGG. We loved this game. We were pumped for it. We liked it even more than we thought. Maybe we'll talk some Mandalorian later and some other topics if we get to it. Obviously, Rise of Skywalker is really close. Um and uh, try to balance watching stuff and not watching stuff. But today we are talking about a Jedi Fallen Order. First of all, Jedi Geek Girl, welcome to the Bizzlecast. Thank you for having me back on. I'm excited to dive into talking about this game and more. I know our conversations are always great and I'm ready to dive in. So, okay. So we knew this game was happening for a while. Um, First of all, Jay Geek Girl, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I am a little tired because I recorded podcast earlier today, but I'm trying to stay alert and awake because I still have a lot to do, even though I don't have a lot to do. Sure. I have been obsessed with Disney Plus and Star Wars. <laughs> I'm counting down the days to Rise of Skywalker and my marathon of the Star Wars movies. I'm planning on doing it back-to-back nights, uh, watching each one of the movies. I've been itching to it because I want to share my countdown, but I want to rewatch them. I want to wait, but I want to watch him. So it's been a struggle. And Rise of Skywalker is almost here. I'm excited, but I'm trying to pull back myself and try to focus on the Star Wars content that we are currently getting and have gotten within the last couple of weeks to yeah. try not to lose focus. Well, it's too bad Star Wars is dead. <laughs> I yeah, mean, absolutely. Uh, it, 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 it's, y- there's no Star Wars gifts going on right now I mean, at all. You and I and me and Simi, really all my contributors, even like Alistair from Australia, I don't talk much Star Wars, we all agreed it was super smart for their lead adult series for Disney Plus opening day to be Star Wars and not Marvel or something else. And the fact that it is even more watched than Stranger Things uh, and, you know, whether you like it or, or love it or not, Baby Yoda is now a giant international sensation shows once again that Kathleen Kennedy at Dave Filoni and company know what the F they're doing. It was an absolute it was an absolutely brilliant business maneuver by Disney Lucasfilm Kathleen Kennedy to launch with Star Wars. Everybody's like, where's the MCU shows? And Star Wars is no longer the on the same level as the MCU at least with that being the number one brand. But I think this revitalized a lot of, Mm. at least when it comes to the casual community and stuff. And I'm just happy that, well, we'll get to it later. But 
I'm just happy that people are talking about it, despite my feelings that may or may not be there. Yeah, and my feelings are with you. We'll get to it later. I will say, I'm not going to be the guy that attributes everything good to Filoni and everything I don't like to Favreau, because I don't think that's the case. But it's obvious Baby Yoda came from the Filoni camp, I think. I think, yeah, I, I would absolutely believe that. Yeah, you can see a lot of the David Filoni influences. But like I said, we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just to tease it, I agree with you. I still have mixed feelings about the whole thing. I will say it's so much sweeter and has so much more heart than I thought. I thought it might head in the Firefly direction of lovable pirates who end up helping people eventually, but the speed in which it got there is staggering. I'm just happy it got there. Yeah. Um, so um, we'll get back to that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of firsts with that series, female directors, all sorts of stuff. Um, so hopefully we'll have some time at the end. But Jedi Fallen Order, the game, um, I, I, I want to talk about the game itself. I want to talk about the lore. I want to talk about the gameplay experience. Um I do want to throw it to you for opening thoughts. Uh, guys, this will be a spoiler podcast for the most part. For the first few minutes, we'll be a little general. But I'll warn you when the big spoilers are coming, um, of course. Um, but uh, Jedi Geek Girl, before I throw it to you for initial thoughts, do you mind if I just give a really quick, brief history of this game and why it, I think it's good, but why I also kind of knew being not an insider, but knowing people who, you know, Twitch and stuff like that is good and, and so forth, just to introduce the game in, in the studio and so forth? Be my guess. Okay, so, you know, it's technically an electronic arts game, and, you know, no one was happy with the Battlefront 2 release. It's gotten much better, obviously, but Electronic Arts has been a really greedy, horrible studio, as all the video game studios have. Ubisoft, I mean, Bethesda's a disaster with their Fallout situation. You know, Electronic Arts, JGG, their big game this past year was supposed to be Anthem. It's supposed to be the, you know, the Destiny Killer, and it was a total disaster, as was Fallout 70 six by Bethesda, equally supposed to be a Destiny killer, didn't happen. EA mostly makes their money on sports games and microtransactions and cell phone games. Um, and they have not done a great single player game in a long time, but they did pick up a studio a couple years ago called Respawn. And Respawn put out Titanfall and Titanfall 2 which are shooters, but you're in a mech in the shooters, and it's very creative and has great story, graphics, and gameplay, and things like wall running that w worked into Jedi Fallen Order. We will get back to that in the gameplay section. Um, but Respawn also saved EA's ass, because after their horrible Anthem multiplayer release, which nobody bought and nobody's playing... Uh, Apex Legends came out out of nowhere, which was sort of like, you know, like Fortnite or, or Overwatch or something like that. Um, Apex Legends came out of nowhere to be a huge free-to-play multiplayer sensation for EA by, of course, Respawn, which was their first project for them. And even though the Titanfall games didn't sell amazingly, the reason EA paid, I think, 150 to $200 million in cash to buy them is because the games were so well-made, they were beautiful, bug-free, everybody who were serious gamers loved them um, and ended up playing them, and they just could tell, you know, like Naughty Dog, who does the Uncharted games, 
Gorilla Horizon Zero Dawn, like the Sony studio, you know, Sony has all these great studios, um, you know, God of War, the Spider-Man game, Bloodborne, all those are all Sony exclusive. So EA and these bigger companies need to get some of these smaller creative studios to make their good games. And so Giant Geek Girl, I, I, I think it's safe to say that the, the release of Battlefront 2, regardless of whether it's good or not now, uh, the release of Battlefront 2 did not make Disney happy. And Bob Iger specifically came out and, and ripped EA a, a new one, which he normally does not do uh, unless it's really bad. And so EA, Jedi Geek Girl, had to do two things to save the Star Wars license. It needed to be not multiplayer, have zero microtransactions or anything related to multiplayer, microtransactions, loot boxes, and so forth. And it needed to be an amazing narrative-driven single-player Star Wars experience. It helped they tap their best studio, as I've described, Respawn. It also helped that they all agreed to embed Lucasfilm story group people and creative people in the project from the beginning. And Respawn was more than happy to do so, um, and I had been hearing since, uh, I want to throw back to you first about Celebration real quick, which is the first time we really saw or heard anything, but since Celebration, I had been hearing more and more from insiders who I trusted online and YouTube and Twitch and so forth, that the game was shaping up to be really good and even kind of hard if you wanted to play on even normal difficulty, and had sort of a Dark Souls element to it in terms of having to learn bosses and dying a lot, and you know, having to learn certain moves and so forth and um uh, before we jump into the gameplay uh what was your impression of the game uh back in star wars celebration we sort of got some information there was like a little panel right in a, in a teaser i think yeah that there, there was a panel it was one of the featured panels they had like the people who are making the game on the panel i was not at the panel my history with the game was I don't want to say I wasn't excited, but I wasn't as, like, over the top for it just because my attention was elsewhere, and it's been a while since we have gotten a first-player Star Wars game, especially one so inviting that I was kind of, I don't want to say numb to it, but kind of disconnected to it because Mm. it's been, like, so, 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 so long for me. Like, yes, I played The Force Unleashed, but I played it, like, three or four, maybe five years after it originally was released, and I didn't connect with it. So last time I got connected with a single play a Star Wars game was Jedi Academy and that was back in 2005, 4 maybe, ish. So, I guess I, I, I wasn't, it's not like I wasn't excited. When the game was first announced, I was excited because this is something that we needed I needed for a long time and I was originally was going to go to the panel but I decided against it just because of time constraints and I didn't want to walk to the arena and not be allowed in looking back at it now I probably could have got in but my attention was a little bit more focused elsewhere I believe and this is totally (laughs) subjective I think we all all, we all were in that place yeah go ahead but I think this is totally 100% objective. But when you're thinking about media and art forms, like media, yeah. is, you have movies, you have TV, yeah. you have video games, which seemed a little less. It wasn't much of a priority to me. And I guess I, because I knew how long video games took to produce. And it's like 
it's kind of funny because I'm a hypocritical, but when it comes to the video games, I just rather wait to play it and find out. I don't want to know too much about it just because that's just how I am with video games with like with Rise of Skywalker like I'm watching every TJ I'm watching all the TV spots so so I was excited but I was like putting it out of my mind I was focusing on other things and so when it landed it totally blew me away because I didn't have any investment into it it wasn't this mm. hype that I invested into it or yeah. positive or negative like the Mandalorian my hype was a little bit more negative no but I still you had don't end- say <laughs> But I still had that investment with Jedi Fallen Order. I was like, I was yep. excited for it, but I'm, I'm like, hurry up and play it yep. uh, and get here. But it wasn't like this. I can't wait anticipation or this anxiety of not maybe not liking it or it not being what I like, like with Mandalorian. So I'm happy to say that I was presently surprised and I love it when this happens. Okay, so I'm going to get your sort of opening thoughts about the game and then I have specific questions about the gameplay and the lore, but... Can I just tell you really quick why I felt pretty strongly this would be good? Yeah, go for it. So, I play a lot of video games. I know it's a shocker, guys. I have a video game podcast with two 22-year-olds who are like savants, who are studying computer science and designing their own games, and so they've gotten me even more into it. But since I got a PC and a PlayStation 4, I play a lot of video games, hundreds of hours over the last couple of years. Um, just to give you a sample, JGG in the audience, I've played to, played through The Witcher 3 twice for a total of... Of 250 hours. I've played through Horizon Zero Dawn twice for a total of 250 hours. I've just finished Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I dropped 150 on. Uh, by the way, you'll notice pretty much all of these are female protagonists. I played both Uncharted games on the PlayStation 4, Uncharted 4, and Uncharted Lost Legacy at least, tw- I think, twice each. Um, um, let's see, God of War, I'm still working my way through. Uh, I played a ton of Destiny and then got tired of it. That was sort of the only multiplayer experience. Um, and, and, and just side note, having played Titanfall 2 uh, by Respawn before they were owned by EA, they were an independent studio, I was super impressed. And although I never really played Apex Legends because, again, it's a Fortnite multiplayer type thing, friends that I know who are real gamers say it's more like Destiny and being awesome and less sort of mainstreamy um, and watered down like Fortnite. And, and that's just a really awesome experience. And so I heard great things about that and just the studio in general. And whenever. EA drops $150 million on a studio um, who's designing sort of, you know, alt games that are for the mainstream. I, I take notice. Um, but if you'll notice, guys, almost every one of those games I mentioned, Horizon, Witcher, oh, Mass Effect Andromeda, played through twice, 150 hours, something like that, over the last couple of years. Also female protagonist. Uh, Assassin's Creed, God of War, Uncharted, uh, Last of Us Remastered, Jedi Geeker, they are all third-person, single-player, narrative games that combine combat, but with a lot of amazing writing, story, and puzzles, and adventuring, and exploration. Literally all of those games fall in the category. Only Destiny is like a shooter and multiplayer game. Every other one of those games that I mentioned, all the hours, and they have RPG elements as well as action, but you spend a lot of time exploring and a lot of time... Oh, Tomb Raider as well. I love the Tomb Raider games. Also fall in that category. Third person... Uh, single player, story driven, narrative driven games. 
Um, you know, in Tomb Raider, you do kill guys, but you really spend most of the time exploring and trying to survive these crazy tombs. It's basically a platformer. It's like Mario Brothers on crack. Um, it's pretty intense and fun. Anyways, Jedi Geek Girl, my point is, just hearing that it was an indie studio like Respawn, and just hearing that it, they were very openly at Celebration, uh, permitted by their bosses at Electronic Arts, who make a lot of their money from loot boxes and gambling, they specifically came out and were like, no loot boxes, no microtransactions, no multiplayer, no DLC. Well, maybe we'll get single-player DLC, but no multiplayer, it's, it's non sense it's totally single player and it's canon and we're working hand in hand with lucasfilm and so it could have been really buggy there could have been a lot of things to go wrong but when you combine that's a third person action rpg single player story driven adventure game with rpg elements exploration elements puzzle elements and cool combat but it's not driven exclusively by combat and it's focused on the story and hits you in the feels which is important with these games um, and is why I, I play so long games like Mass Effect and Assassin's Creed is because of the story, not just murdering people. So all of those reasons, their presentation and each successive trailer uh, gave me more and more confidence. And then I'll shut up, but I will say over the last two months, they allowed more and more uh, YouTube and Twitch streamers in, in the UK and America to come to their studio and play three to four hours of the game. They couldn't record it and show it, but they could talk about it and use some footage. Uh, and across the board, from the casual gamers to the hardcore gamers, they were all like, look, we're, we're all big Star Wars fans, but we did not expect this to be good because we don't trust EA, and we haven't had a great single-player Star Wars game in a while. And so I felt very confident that unless it was buggy as hell and something weird happened, um, it was going to do really well, but as I throw it to you for opening thoughts, I don't know if I sold my case well. I really was, that was an argument for why I was so excited for it, and me following the industry thought it would be good. It was, it, 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 it wasn't way better than my expectations, but that was mostly because, as you can tell, Jedi Geekro, my expectations were pretty high. So let me throw it to you. As someone who doesn't play a ton of video games, but you've played some cool ones before, and you've played some Star Wars games, you've played some other games, you're not, you know, you don't spend nearly as much time playing video games, God bless you, as I do, um, and, and, you know, doing podcasts and following the industry. Um, you mentioned a little bit before, but explain a little bit on your expectations post-celebration did you watch the trailers leading up to it i know we both tried to stay away from spoilers in terms of canon which we're going to get into but when you popped in the disc and you started playing uh, how long did it take i guess is what i'm saying for your expectations to be you know exploded or, or whatever happened so I want to backtrack a little bit and mm -hmm. give a little bit of history. I used to be very into gaming. I used to follow the industry up until like 2008, you know, real life happened and I wasn't able to stay on top of things as much as I like to be. I shifted more from a... I shifted away from being into all the type of gaming and follow the industry into sure. being more niche and follow Nintendo diehard. So I used to be really into gaming and I yes. have a lot of gaming knowledge that I haven't Sorry, been able to capitalize. Quick, cor but quick correction. Yeah, yeah. I knew that about you. I should have mentioned that. Because of our, you know, we sort of have a half generational gap. You know, like we, we experienced things like five years before or after the other person. Like I gamed a ton in the 90s, but from 2000, 
2000 until I got a PlayStation 3 in 2012. I basically wasn't gaming at all except for my Nintendo DS. Uh, so, like, you know, so it, like, flipped with us. Um, so, yes, Jiggy Girl is a very good and experienced gamer. I just know in the last few years it hasn't been a big part of your life. Uh, and so, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it, it's always been a conflict of do I want to binge through series? Do I want to play a video game? It had to. It was a case of either or, and it seems like I went through these phases of shifting in and out. But anyways, the last time I really got into invested in a story based game really would have to be the Mass Effect game. Oh yeah, Obviously, baby. Yeah. Obviously, I did get into Battlefront 2, but that was more because it belonged to Star Wars. But when I really got hooked in and obsessed with the story part of the game and the exploration, it was Mass Effect. I'm not calling Star Wars because it was Star Wars, and I did get hooked on it, but it wasn't like at the same level. And I would say the same thing for Rogue Legacy, but Rogue Legacy, there's no story to it. The story is very thin and stuff like that. But uh, moving into... Wait, can we my really ex- quickly... Do you mind just really quickly on Mass Effect? Um, so I think Mass Effect 2 is one of the best games ever. I love Mass Effect 3 as well. I consider it sort of a two-part game. But Mass Effect 2 in particular is one of the best games of all time. Um, I, Mass Effect Andromeda was plagued by bugs and was released when like a thousand other good games like Horizon and Zelda were released in 2017. So it got overlooked. By the time I started playing it, you know, like a year and a half ago, I thought it was spectacular. It's, it's the first and only open-world Mass Effect game. Uh, and I am addicted to... You you know, open world games, and while I love the smaller scale um, of going to locations in Mass Effect 2 and 3, I loved having the open world. Also, the writing was great, the voice acting was great, it looks amazing once they patched it, um, and, and I'm happy to say, Jay Geek Girl, it was confirmed this past week that they are working on another Mass Effect game, which didn't seem like it was going to happen because of all the disasters at Electronic Arts and BioWare, which is the brilliant company that did Dragon Age and Mass Effect, and so we have that to look forward to. I will say really quickly, I'll throw it back to you. While playing Jedi Fallen Order, I got sidetracked because I'd been meaning to replay Mass Effect Andromeda on my PC, which is a much better rig than my PlayStation for a game like that. And planet hopping, but you don't really do anything other than your lightsaber stuff, uh, you know, um, in uh, in the spaceship. And planet hopping, I was like, okay, I I, I gotta play Andromeda. So I actually got sidetracked after three or four hours of Fallen Order and binged Andromeda for like a week and then went back and, and went through. So that was a long way of saying Mass Effect is to blame for it taking so long for me to finish Jedi Fallen Order, but it seems like it, we're in simpatico on this one. But anyway, when I first saw the trailer for Jedi Fallen Order, I remember being a little bit distant to it just because just because of how I am with video games, it seems like. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it was bad. It doesn't mean it was negative. It's just I was listening to it, and I was excited for it, but it was more of I just wanted to have the video game here. And like I said, my investment was busy in Rise of Skywalker and the MCU, so my attention was elsewhere. But I was looking forward to it, but like I said, it's been so long since I played a one-player's Star Wars game that I was really invested in and really enjoy that I 
lost that sense of adventure that comes with the Star Wars video game. And to answer your question about like when did I knew I was really in, it had to be when I first like maybe twenty minutes or maybe ten minutes in the game when you are climbing. Here's to spoilers. Get to the top spoiler of the warning, ship. guys. Spoiler warning. Spoiler now. Spoiler now. You got twenty good minutes. Today, geek girl, go ahead. And you see in the background all the ships and the scenery is so beautiful because I don't play modern games and I don't play a lot of modern games. I'm not used to seeing that much of detail and world building and stuff like that. And it being Star Wars was amazing. Like you can see like Star Destroyers in the background. You see, sorry, not Star Destroyers. You see Republic Cruisers and Separatist Ship. It was amazing. It was like you were a part of this world that is wide open and expansive and you could just sit there and just look at the detail and the background of the world and you're trying to get to your goal uh, on the first planet while looking around at this world and taking it all in because not only is it beautiful and impressive but this is star wars so you're like okay that's the republic clone trooper ship you know that that you almost is a can't believe ship. it right you're looking at it and you're going okay something's got to give right like this looks as cool as mass effect but it's star wars right like at some point this is going to get bad or something's going to happen it just never did i agree with you i was in from that whole initial it was a great tutorial that's exactly how you do tutorials is you do uh, they, that's what they do in horizon you do the origin story of the character and that's how you, you learn how to jump and and, and do stuff and, and they tutorialize throughout the game which i love but sorry sorry keep going yeah but but anyways it it was amazing seeing all that detail and it just seemed like it kept getting more expansive it seems like whenever you like when you went to bongo which is the first planet you go to after the tutorial planet quote-unquote you can get lost in the detail of how beautiful it is in the background there's this giant dragon that just sits there and i don't know about you but i've been trying to get over to it i don't know if you can or not somebody told me you're supposed to avoid it and i'm like how do you get over there i don't know i i searched the whole planet even after beating the game and i didn't i don't think you can but there it, is it's, one awesome giant creature though which we are going to talk about go ahead yeah so just, just the world building of the game really brought me into the game, and I, I played the game in two settings, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I obviously I did stop and I did have lunch, and obviously I did stop <laughs> and text, obviously. But it, I'm glad it, you it, had it, lunch because you might not be with us today if you hadn't. <laughs> but, 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 anyways, I would, I would still consider two settings. I played the game even though it was kind of broken up. Really. Yeah. What? Uh, how many total hours did you? I know you ended up one hundred percent it, but in terms of the main game, how many hours did you put in? Do you know? I did not one hundred percent it. I got frustrated at one part and gave up. Um, but I put in for the story mode. I, I put. I want to say. It, it's hard to factor in because there was times like I was texting and obviously I ate, but I put it between eighteen and twenty three. Yeah, my, I believe, two days. Yeah, this is a classic, eighteen like seventeen to twenty five hour game, and I just finished uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and I did seventy five percent. 
Um, and, you know, there were some tombs that were just too scary or annoying, and I ended up, you know, mostly focusing on the main quest, but doing some side stuff, and it was 25 hours, and it was a perfect 25 hours. It's, you know, again, some open-world games like Andromeda, Mass Effect Andromeda, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Horizon Witcher, etc., you want to put in 100 to 150, because there's that much content and that much story. But a game like this, I think, was perfect at 25 um, I believe I was 23 hours, actually. Uh, I have to look up on, on my computer. Quick side note, uh, JGG. You know, I bought, I pre-ordered this on PlayStation 4, and it looks great on PlayStation 4. My problem is I'm so used to playing at 60 frames per second in super high ultra HD on my computer, um, and I, I now prefer the Xbox controller to the PlayStation controller, even though I still, like, I've been playing Uncharted and God of War on my PlayStation. I love PlayStation games. Um, but for a game like this that is available, on PC, I just I, I want to ask you this, I know this is a nerdy question, but in terms of the feel of the game, um, again for someone who is a gamer and knows how these things respond, or should respond, uh, but hasn't played a ton of games in the last couple of years curious what you felt like with the controls, it, it, let's put it this way it was definitely 25 to 30 frames per second at most during a lot of it on the PS and it felt that way to me games like Assassin's Creed, for whatever reason and obviously the PlayStation exclusives, which are designed for PlayStation, like Horizon God of War, look great and play great on the PlayStation. This, I immediately was like, I'm, I'm going to exchange this on Amazon for, for a PC code. I do think it looked great on PS4. Thoughts? When it came to the controls of the game, I, I'll get back to it in a second. I played a lot of wrestling games when I was younger, and one of the key aspects to wrestling games is the reversal mechanic and a lot of it has to do with timing when you push the buttons and bringing this back into Jedi Fallen Order in the combat there is a lot of that timing you have to push the block button at a certain amount a certain time to have some sort of effect in the battle whether it be deflecting bullets or laser bullets laser bolts or blocking and melee attack and I felt a lot of that. It felt like the controls were, I don't want to really say sensitive, but you had to be on the ball when it came to your timing and I switched the difficulty to story mode so I didn't didn't have to worry about dying. I did too. Full disclosure guys, I play this on story mode. I almost always play these third person adventure games on normal, but I knew the combat in this was super intense and I really wanted the story and I have lots more to do and other games to play. Um, and Jakey Girl, I encourage people on my video game podcast when they play action RPGs, The Witcher 3 is very hard on normal mode. It took me a long time to get decent at The Witcher 3 on normal. I tell people, don't not play these games. The stories are too good. Play story mode. It's not called easy. It's called story mode. And it's still, you've got to fight. I got my ass kicked in Jedi Fallen Order on story mode. And that's how it should be. And God of War, I'm doing the same thing. Horizon, Assassin's Creed, those games, Mass Effect, always on normal difficulty. But this, I, I I had heard it was super hard, like you, and like you, switched to story mode pretty early on. And I want to continue to encourage people with these story-based games to not get frustrated and to just do story mode. You're not a lesser person for it. It means you have other things to do, but you also want to have this great experience. Go ahead. 
Anyways, just because I went to Daphnia first, it ah. really kind of skewed the difficulty of the game for me because yeah. Daphnia was a lot more challenging than the Zephyr planet. So I immediately changed it to Story Mode because I'm okay with dying, but when it takes 30 seconds to a minute for the low screen, which I think they patched, I'm not sure, it was, it's like, okay, that's I'm not going to sit thing. here. Yeah, that's a PlayStation thing, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and yeah. wait this long between deaths. Otherwise, I probably would have worked it out just because I wanted to beat the game and I wanted to experience the story because of spoilers. I didn't want to like come across a spoiler and it seemed like they were starting to pop up and stuff like that. Yeah. So I wanted to focus on the story because that's why I'm playing the game yeah. is for, the, for the story. On my on my PC rig, which is pretty good, it's five to ten seconds for a load screen. That was another reason I switched over. I will say, Jenna Geek Girl. So w- while I still had the PlayStation version, I also took the bait to go to Dathomir immediately and got my ass kicked as well. Um, and so when I restarted my game anew on the PC, I said, "Screw it! I'm obviously supposed to go to Zepho next, and I'll get all the gear that I need." It, it, looking back on it, you have to admit that was a bit of a troll. I think, in a way, a, a positive, loving troll by the designers and and Lucasfilm. You know, they no, we're going to want to go to Dathomir, and then they get they hand you your ass, and you can't even get that far. But you do meet the, you know, spoiler, you know, future villain or one of the villains. Uh, you can meet him. Um, you also can get the double-bladed lightsaber uh, in Dathomir, I believe, on your first go-around. But you can't get very far, and you can get the double-bladed lightsaber and other things you need on Zepho. And so when I went the second time, I decided to go the way the designers wanted me to go and that's how I played the entire game and you know again if it was a fully open world game and I was playing 5200 hours I would be more adventurous but in a story driven game I wanted to do it the way they wanted me to do it especially because you unlock abilities along the way that are helpful in the order that they want you to go if that makes sense yeah when yeah I, I fell right into that and it gave an illusion of choice, and I got my butt kicked by Ongo Bongo before you got the recovery <laughs> can- uh, canister. So I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you, gosh darn it!" And of course, I had it on the the Jedi Knight or whatever. So I'm sitting here getting frustrated and the load screen for half an hour to an hour, and then I, I get I get the canister. I'm like, "Well, that would have helped," but instead I. Went 20 minutes trying to beat that but you know now I know mm-hmm. and it, it it was nice going to Dapomir first but it was frustrating you know getting to that point and being like okay obviously I have to come back here and then when I did come back I didn't really lose I didn't forget any other story but I was a little bit there was more distance between the last time I was here yeah. and the time I was there so the, the story wasn't as fresh in my mind uh, I do think it is worth going for the double but I say it just because I, I liked it in this game but I think if I do play the game and I think I do want to play the game again it will be at that um, normal easy level not story mode because I know the combat like I know if you go to Zepho first you it's a lot easier. Like, I turned it to story mode halfway through Dapomir, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to get there, and then I got to the end, and then I went to Zephyr, and then it's like, these stormtroopers are a heck of a lot easier than these night brothers. I'm like, well, I guess 
you're not supposed to go there first and mm-hmm. it, it's not an accurate representation of, of the game. I thought maybe it was going to be a little bit harder going to Zepho, but I was like, you know what? Screw it. I already yep. changed it to story mode and I'm just going to, you know, focus. And, and as soon as you change it to story mode, I'm like, you cannot die unless you, unless you fall off the edge. Just be, or if you're not paying attention. No, you but, can definitely, I mean, I, I it, you know, it, when I was surrounded by troopers and what jumped in too boldly, I, I would definitely die. But that's mostly just me being, being reckless. Um, I have a, I, oh, no, go ahead. I think I died once or twice just because I couldn't hit the recovery canister quick enough. Or when I did hit it, I was in a, a swarm where you could you had to step away for a little bit and hit it. But your your damage is so much less than in the other difficulty modes that your yep. chances of dying are significantly less. Yep. And it took me back by that because it didn't offer me any challenge. But like yep. I said, my focus on the game was the story mode, not so much being challenged in the gameplay. That's interesting. I mean, I suck at Dark Souls type games, and so I, I was not amazing at, at the combat. Uh, again, I, I was pretty reckless. I did great on the on the um uh the Tomb Raiding stuff because again, I play a ton of these games, Uncharted, Tomb Raider, and so forth. Um, I will say for a game like this, I'm glad they had lots of small checkpoints uh, d- during the the Tomb Raiding uh, adventure parts, so that the story would flow. But having just played Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which is the newest and best, but also hardest Tomb Raider game ever in the modern era, they do not give you many checkpoints in the tomb. So if you do five minutes of avoiding, you know, giant infernos and spikes and monsters and then die, you start over again. Like, there's maybe two checkpoints in these entire tombs, but that's a different game. That's supposed to be, uh, the, you know, the, the, the tomb rating is supposed to be the tough part, and that's supposed to be the, what we call, get good part of, of, of tomb rating. Whereas the get good part of games like Dark Souls and Jedi Fallen Order or Neo and games fighting games like that, uh, if, especially if you're playing on normal or hard levels, the get good part is the combat. Um, and, uh, and so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, I, I have a proposal for you, um, because I'm looking at the, you know, the Star Wars at fandom.com, the sort of semi-official Star Wars wiki, and they have a great little, um, uh, sort of one paragraph per planet uh, su- summation of the story that I think would be really cool to go, not that I'll read the whole thing, but sort of go through, you know, starting with the, the beginning and Braca and then the vault and then Zepho and Kashyyyk and Sagrera and blah, 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 I think would be, would be cool to go through. Um, uh, if if and we can then talk about the characters and the settings and, and, and lore and, and stuff along the way. Is that is that amenable to you? Yeah, but before we do, yes. I do want to touch. I do want to follow up a little bit on the controls. I also found that because the blocking was so sensitive, again coming from that pro wrestling. Uh, video game background it's, it, it got to the point where I was eventually and I'm pretty sure everybody was like this where it's like oh you know what I'm just going to throw you off the edge I'm just going to yank you and stab you with a lightsaber because I just don't want to sit here and waste my time with you because I wanted the experience points I wasn't going to run, run away just because I didn't want to fight but because I wanted it over and it got to the point because I wasn't able to block and be as technical as I would like I don't know if it's because it wasn't sensitive enough or it was too precise I, I just gave up and there was a I switched into that Bushin mashing mode where you used to do with a lot of the older Star Wars video games just because the technological advancement was not there for advanced combat there was a lot of button mashing and, and stuff like that so 
I think that has to do a lot with the there being no challenge because there's no challenge like in the boss mode on a higher difficulty you have to master those skills because in order to beat the boss you're going to have to do that where in story mode you can sit there and button mash you still have to dodge don't get me wrong you can't sit there and take every single hit like there was some moments when I was taking every single hit and I was like you know what you need to you can still you need to block you just can't sit there and take every single hit not because you will die but because that's the that's not an engaging play style you know what i'm saying agreed that's part of why you and you watch me play some of the late game i I, as you saw i played mostly with single lightsaber and i had heard that well the double lightsaber is amazing looking and acting and it's great for what they call crowd control when you're being you know attacked from all sides and surrounded in a close quarter melee i had heard things like blocking uh you know stormtrooper blasters and and boss combat in particular uh there were advantages to playing with a single lightsaber. I found that to be the case, um, but the button mashing thing is totally in a story mode, easy mode thing. And this is exactly you know, the backlash that led to the creation of very popular but somewhat controversial games like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and Sekiro, which there is no, no easy or normal mode. It's only hard mode. You can't play easy mode or normal even if you wanted to. And if you button mash, you literally won't get 10 minutes into the game. And every boss is a study, and you will die over and over and over again, no matter how good you are, until you study the bosses. They're known for being extremely hard, and they still sell 5 to 10 plus million copies because hardcore gamers like that challenge because a lot of games yeah you can get away with, with sort of uh, with with button mashing and i think that i agree with you and that would be the sort of the big step up to normal mode and that's also the case in witcher in these other games you know where you have swords and stuff is you know if you play witcher on easy you can just keep slashing the monsters or god of war slashing 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 and if you you know if you play normal or higher then you need to start using signs and magic spells and runes and you know really studying your moves because you know you might be level 38 fighting a level 40 uh you know evil giant ent tree thing but he will just one shot you in this chest when you're not even ready no matter how many spells and potions you got going on um and so there's something to be said for that again you know in open world games, I know this sounds weird, the longer the game and the more investment I put into it, the harder I want it to be, if that makes sense. Whereas these a little bit shorter games, which I'm mostly there for the story and the experience, like Jedi Fallen Order, I, I don't care as much. Uh, that being said, I want to agree with what I think you said, which is I am going to revisit this game in a few months and play on, on normal mode for sure. You know, I'm sitting here talking, and... You're like, I want to play. I I, I won't talk to Bizzle anymore. I'll just play Jedi Fallen Order. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm I'm sitting here, and I am changing the schedule of my podcast to bi-weekly to every three weeks, which allows me a little bit more freedom on my free time and stuff like that. And I have a follow-up statement to your statement. Uh, I'm hoping that maybe I will take that time, and I don't know what I'm doing yet. Maybe I'll get a... Well, I'll get to that later, but you're, you're talking about that, and I think, and maybe just this is just me being a huge fan of this franchise, I think Legend of Zelda did the bosses correct, because 
you did have this like they were fairly easy but you had to defeat them a precise way in order to like you can't sit there and you can't button mash you have to throw a bomb bomb in dongo's mouth you had to use the slingshot when the spider in ocarina time flashes his red eyes you there was these moments in the boss fight where you had to be technical and I, i'm not a the hardcore gamer in that sense so i don't know how hardcore gamers look at the legend of zelda franchises when it comes to their boss battle i do think that it, they are a little easy but they have that dynamic where you just cannot sit there and button mash there's a technical aspect in order to defeat them but it, it's not overly challenging and it doesn't have a lot of precise timing which brings me back to the point I was saying it makes me think that because I'm changing my schedule maybe I can use that time to finally get a Nintendo Switch and play the new Legend of Zelda game because I was thinking about it when you were talking and I'm a huge Legend of Zelda fan and, and I missed that and I'm starting to get behind and I played every Legend of Zelda game up until Breath of the Wild. Maybe one or two I missed out on, but I played slash beat most of them. And I, the more time passes, the larger that gap, you know, gap happens. And I, I do realize that it's a matter of time, but I also realize like a lot of the reviews on Breath of the Wild are good. And but anyway, bringing it back to Jedi Fallen Order, maybe that can reawaken not so much my gamer thing but allow me the time to re-experience that love and i do want to go back and play some of the older star wars video games like i still have to beat Knights of the old republic and stuff like that but we'll see we'll take Kotor it at one point better. at a time kotor 2 is better in my opinion i i haven't played the first one in over 15 years so it's not as fresh in my well, head interestingly do you know who does made you know who made knights of the old republic and it was their first game was bioware bioware I know yeah, you know, I know. That for the audience. Yeah. Who uh, did Mass Effect. Um, and so it's funny that it's come back around. Um, they, did, they also did Jade Empire. Jade Empire, Dragon yep. Age games as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and who did KOTOR 2 is Obsidian, who did amazing RPGs and action RPGs like Fallout New Vegas, Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2, and recently Outer, uh, Outer Worlds, which I highly recommend to everybody out there to play Outer Worlds. You've probably seen it. You can get it for free, essentially, if you have a PC or an Xbox uh, through their very cheap two-free Game Pass. It's, it's, it's like a quirkier, more accessible, more colorful Fallout New Vegas, basically, with that same sort of you know sense of you know the lovable sense of humor but you also can literally kill any character you come across and change the course of the game and every choice you make you know um makes a difference and i just want to point out jg girl those two studios uh kotor one with bioware and kotor two with obsidian all their games are like that whether it's through dialogue choices or other things it's it's your choices make a difference and i want to point out that none of us were under the illusion that this game would be like that right I mean, you can have some choice in, in physically where you go uh, in, in terms of planets and on planets in this game. This will be an interesting way to talk about sort of the progression. Did this feel, for what it was, what you were expecting and what you experienced, was this too linear, uh, a, a, a right amount of linearity um, in terms of your experience? I thought it was, how do I put this? It was a game that 
offered a lot of illusions of choice that weren't really impactful of the choice of the story, but you didn't feel as confined. Again, I'm going to bring it into Legend of Zelda because that's what one of the things I know best. Like, if you play Skyward Sword, that it's a very linear game. You had point A to point B, and there was no amount of deviation you can take on it. Where I felt like this game was very much like trying to think of my memory here. I, I would say almost, uh, I don't know if I would say Ocarina of Time, because you still had choices in Ocarina no, of Time, but exactly it seems right. like it was... No, you're reading my mind. It, you're reading my mind. I wanted to bring up Zelda before because you mentioned it, because Zelda was the first to get good action RPG way back in the day, and they're all like that. But you're exactly but, right. The Zelda games are divided between the open world games and the somewhat more linear games like Ocarina, and what's funny is some people say Ocarina of Time is the best Zelda game ever, and some people say Link to the Past is the best Zelda game or the best game ever, and or Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, of course, is as open world of a game as you can possibly get, and, and I think it's interesting because Zelda games are all get good games. They're very hard no matter what, but they are divided between ones that are more open world and not. But way back in the original Legend of Zelda, the fact that you could go to different dungeons in different places and have that choice, people forget in the late 80s, early 90s, no one had done that. Go ahead. But anyways, it, 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 the Jedi Fallen Order is definitely a Metroidvania game. And that explain. Game gives a... Could you explain a Metroidvania, Yeah, a Metroidvania game is a game where you explore around and then you explore like less stage Metroid. You would go into a pirate ship and you would work your way through it. But the, there would be these areas that you cannot access at that point in time because you don't have the super mi- missiles or you don't have the bombs. You have to come back to the area later to explore it. When you get those upgrades slash you revisit them to re to progress the story. Bringing it into Jedi Fallen Order, like you go to Bongo, it's your first planet that you go to post-tutorial, but you have to come back here later to progress the plot and also to explore because you have new upgrades, new abilities, and it adds a layer of replayability because you're basically, instead of playing from A to B, you're going over the same track multiple times, so there's more... It's an interesting way gamers do it. Instead of doing point A to point B in a single track, you're doing that track over again, so the game feels a lot wider than it is because you're revisiting the same area once, mm. which which is really brilliant, and I really like it. And I think that adds a layer of perceived choice to the story because you can choose to go back to explore those areas, but you're still exploring an area that you don't really go out of your way to explore necessarily. Right. I mean, obviously, there are areas that you cannot access Unless you go out of your way, but I look at it as a game that had choice, but a lot of it is illusion of choice, if that makes any sense. Because you can change your lightsaber, you can change your poncho, you can change the ship in BD-1. I wanted more outfits. My only complaint, I wanted more clothes. But what really impact does it have on the game? So I, I liked it and stuff like that. But I, I look at it as it perceived freedom. That the game offers a lot of illusion of choice mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Which did, which I don't think there's nothing wrong with. Um, but I do want to say before I get carried away too far. But in my opinion, this is the best single player Star Wars game since the first Knights of the Old Republic. Yes. 
So, in my opinion, there's no question. And in fact, other than the original Knights of the Old Republic, because I grew up playing, uh, you know, X-wing, Tie Fighter, Space Sim, you know, games, which are still my personal favorite. I don't like the on rail games, you know, where they give you the illusion of space fighting. Even Battlefront Two is I. If you really look at space combat in Battlefront Two, it's really on rails. You're not really you're not really flying in full three dimensions, whatever. Like back in the day with X-wing Tie Fighter, I don't know why they don't do it. There's lots of great space sims out there. Um, but anyways, I, I want to agree with you. I don't even know what's another great single player Star Wars single player. Uh, uh, Wait, single player Star Wars game other than Kotor One and Two? You've played more of the Star Wars games than I have. Maybe you can name some. I love Jedi Academy. I I love Shadow of the Empire. Back in this day, I know it's aged and stuff like that, but because it had a story that really engrossed you and it really broke a lot of ground. But anyways, it comparing the two games, it has a lot. Even though you are following the story and there are illusions of choice to it, you are allowed to revisit these areas if you want to. Yeah, you cannot progress any further on Daphne, but you can go there any time. You can go there after Kashyyyk. You can go after the Bongo. Heck, you can get stuck there and just wander around defeating enemies all you want. Yeah, you're on this track, but it's not like... The Force Unleashed, where you beat a level and you play through it, and you cannot revisit it, you cannot explore it, and that is a more unreal game because you can't revisit these areas. So maybe Jedi Fallen Order isn't as exploratory as Knights of the Old Republic, but you still have these choices of going back and exploring these areas instead of not being allowed to revisit these areas, mm-hmm. and. Even if you have, like, explored the area, gotten all the secrets, defeated all the enemies, you can still wander around and have the sense of discovery, which I think is a progression of gaming because back in the day, you couldn't allow all this extra detail because of memory space and stuff like that. There was a lot of empty spaces where now you can just, if if you just want to walk around and look at all the text and look at the scenery, you can do that. Can I give a quick ad for this game in deals right now for which I'm not being compensated, but I don't care. Guys, if you're looking to get a console, okay, I am a PlayStation guy and a PC guy, but Xbox, because they've lost the console wars for now, keeps dropping their prices. You can get an Xbox One S, which is their entry-level main one, with one terabyte for... $200, $199, down from 299 so that's half the price of a PlayStation, uh, you know, and get Jedi Fallen Order with it. And if you want the souped-up Xbox One X, which is, you know, 4K, 60 frames per second, looks as good as a computer, that much I can say, normally 499 with Jedi Fallen Order, 349 with Jedi Fallen Order, save $150, get the great Xbox with Jedi Fallen Order, and Jedi Geek Girl, also, I'm not a big supporter of Walmart, but I have to say it, you can get the deluxe edition of Jedi Fallen Order for $49.99 at Walmart. We don't know how long it's going to last. That's 20 bucks off the normal deluxe edition, and it's even $10 cheaper than the normal edition. So, if you're looking to save some money, jump on, on one of those deals. This game is absolutely worth it. I want to ask you about value. <laughs> I, I mean, even at $60, I almost never buy games at launch, and certainly not pre-order games. This for a 20 to 25 hour game I I might not always say this but this, and I'm biased because it's Star Wars this was totally worth $60 for for what it was 
I think when it comes to value per hour of entertainment, video games uh, have the best ratio. Like for example, if you go and see a movie at the theater, you're usually playing around. You're usually paying around ten bucks for two hours on average. Let's just say that that's five hours. That's five dollars per hour. If you pay seventy five dollars, let's just say for the deluxe version of Jedi Order, and you spend twenty five hours, that's three dollars per hour, and that's just the story mode. If you do exploratory, if you do even more, that thing decreases i think books is another good value if you if you pay twenty dollars for a book that takes you uh eight seven hours that's about about the same too so when it comes to like your the best bang for your buck you so yeah video games are expensive but the amount of time that you put into it you're getting more bang out of your buck than maybe video games the only exception would probably be streaming services because you're paying on average ten dollars and if you spend like two out that's 40 hours that that's great value but Mm -hmm. we're talking a unique product video games have the best value in the market one yep. of the best. Yeah, and I also want to say, guys, if this isn't normally your thing or you don't have a lot of money, wait four to six months. Um, like the, the example for me, Jedi Geek Girl, was I, I actually part of the reason I got a PlayStation 4 was because I wanted to play Horizon Zero Dawn so badly, having seen other people play it and seen it online. And by the time I bought my PlayStation, um, in late 2017, they had just dropped the DLC, but they were already packaging the original game in the Frozen Wilds DLC, um, which retails for 100 bucks total for $30, and I've played through that game twice, 250 hours, so I don't know, $30 for 250 glorious hours with Aloy and Horizon Zero Dawn, like, I don't know how to put a price on that, and so I can understand if people don't want to drop 60 bucks on, on a 25-hour game, especially if they're not a huge um, uh, Star Wars fan or or care about lore, which I want to get into here um, before this goes too long and we don't talk about lore. Um, But I I felt like it was great for me, but there was no way I wasn't going to buy it. But I will say, Jedi Geek Girl, that mean again, following the industry recently and knowing about this stuff, I felt confident enough that it would be great, or really good at least, to be worth the money. Because like I said, you know, I got Uncharted for 10 bucks, I got Mass Effect Andromeda for 15. I normally wait 6 to 12 months on these games. Partially for bug fixes, partially to see how they pan out, partially because you get the DLCs included and it's much cheaper and so forth. But if you're a Star Wars fan and you like narratively driven, single player, third person action RPG puzzle, you know, story games, this I, I would give a 5 out of 5 star recommendation. You know what? Enough about talking about the value. Enough Go. talking about the gameplay. Lore. Let's dive in. Let's Lore. talk it. Let's, 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 okay, Kylo Ren. Let's dive right into the story because, oh my god, this is the Star Wars. Wait, did you just call me Kylo Ren? Does that mean you think I'm sexy? <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Oh, right. It's not, it's not about love and sex. I'm sorry. Anyway, anyways, I, I, I'm so oh, I thought, I thought I was talking to the Sky Talkers for a second. My bad. But, but, but any, I, I don't know how to follow it up. But anyway, this, this, this Jedi Fallen Order, oh my God, is my kind of Star Wars. It is things, it has things in it that... Which I said to you. I, I said to you, quote, this is my Star Wars. That's exactly how I felt. 
Exactly. It had things that connected every era of Star Wars. It had new characters, new mythology. It had a good blend of the new and the old. It wasn't targeting one specific demographic or audience, it seems like. It seems like if you're an original trilogy fan, you would love this. If you're into the sequel trilogy, you would love this. Or the post quote-unquote Disney stuff. If you're a prequel fan, just love it. If you if you are a gamer, I'm sure there's stuff here for you. It seems like this has everything in it that I look for in Star Wars and which some properties it has been lacking a little bit. So as soon as I played it, I was like, this is, wow. I'm, I'm not one of those people that I'm about to say one story, whether it be a book or a comic or a movie, is my favorite thing post- canon reset because there's too much good stuff for me to pick so I don't pick one but a lot of people have picked this as their best Disney uh, Star Wars content which I think is absolutely speaks Why? volumes to it so, so let's go through the characters the plot point I mean because look we got inquisitors we got giant flying creatures we got lightsabers we got force powers we got an amazing Padawan relationship we got a Lasat we got you know I mean we, we, we got I, we, we got it all and they didn't even rely on the stormtroopers too much that's how much content and material they had but it all felt like Star Wars let me give you a general thought though Jedi Good Girl and, and you can throw it back to me which is even though Rogue One is my favorite and it's a war movie, in general, it's the fantasy aspect of Star Wars and not the sci-fi aspect of Star Wars that makes me love it. And this game, between the Dathomir stuff and the giant flying eagle thing and the, the Inquisitors and the Force stuff and the flashbacks, and they went to fucking... Oh my god, I'm, I'm losing it. They went to Ilum. I can't believe they went to Ilum. That was, that, I lost my mind when they went to Ilum. So, we've talked about this being a blend of sci-fi and fantasy. I think you agree with it. Star Wars, I mean, in general. Do you agree that this had a lot of the great fantasy stuff and that's part of why you liked it? Or was it for that or other reasons? Oh, I agree 100%. And if I may throw some shade, Please. it's like... If oh, you're God. into the sci-fi aspect of Star Wars, you're doing Star Wars wrong. It's the fantasy aspect that hooks a lot of people. There's nothing wrong with liking the military aspect, the political aspect, the sci-fi aspect of it. But at the heart and the core, Star Wars, it's a fantasy. It's a well, science to be, fantasy. To, to be fair, while we're throwing shade... Like, part of the reason people hated the midichlorians, I, not not me, but part of the reason was it was too sciency, right? And the force isn't supposed to be that sciency. There was a lot of politics and there was a lot of sci-fi in the prequels. Let's be honest. Um, and, and this is coming from somebody who loved the politics in Star Wars. There's nothing wrong with loving one aspect over the yeah. other. But I think if you're focused, if you don't acknowledge the fantasy aspect of Star Wars and you don't love the fantasy aspect of Star Wars, you miss the point because the fantasy is such an important point of mm -hmm. Star Wars. Okay. And, you know, and you can love every aspect. I'm just saying that fantasy is, is so much more important. Okay. So let's start with either characters we knew or related to characters we know in canon. I'm going to throw a few out and you can talk about any. 
you got the second sister, obviously, the big villain, and the ninth sister, um, who was a villain. Um, we had Saw Gerrera. I just want to say I love Forrest Whitaker. I love Forrest Whitaker. I love Forrest Whitaker. I love Saw Gerrera. But I also think that his vocal performance for Saw in each performance, Rebels 3, Rebels 4, and now, this was spectacular. This was the best Saw Gerrera yet. I, I was blown away by his understated... I, I-, I wasn't thinking about Forrest Whitaker. I know you love Saw. I love Saw. We love Jin. We want to see a Saw movie, a Rebel Rising movie. So me personally knowing Saul was in this how much he was in it it was on Kashyyyk and it was a rebel incursion I fucking loved it go ahead my two favorite characters I think you're going going to be able to predict what they are but my two favorite ones are the second sister and the night sister those two characters really engaged me into their separate stories I was really attached to them I wanted to hear more of them their story i want more stories of them and yeah i was just so like i fell in love with them so i have a couple things the magic of star wars is if you come to this game objectively and you know that um that uh uh siri what's her sarah sarah siri Siri. Siri. It's confusing because the main young girl in The Witcher, which is coming out, which I'm losing my mind about, which is distracting me from Star Wars, is named Siri, plus Siri on my phone. So Siri, we know, is a former Jedi. If you were objective Jedi geek girl, you could easily put together that there was going to be a relationship between Siri and the second sister. But of course, the magic of Star Wars, it throws the wool over your eyes. This is what happened with Rogue One. I felt like I knew everything that was going to happen in Rogue One. And when I saw it, I was like, I had no fucking idea. That happened with The Last Jedi, and I know it's going to happen with Rise of Skywalker. I mean, even Solo. Solo was the most predictable by far, but even Solo threw some curveballs. That's just the magic of Star Wars when you're a Star Wars fan. I love the sisters as well. Um, I will say, though, you know, I, I absolutely love and adore Sarah Michelle Gellar as, as the seventh sister. Well, in general, I love and adore Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, God bless you, Freddie Prinze, you lucky bastard. Um, and uh, it, 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 it was, you know, I almost was hoping for a seventh sister appearance, but it would have distracted uh, from it a little bit. Although Saw didn't. That's the thing with, with Forrest Whitaker. He's, a, uh, he's an Oscar, multiple nominated and Oscar winning actor is Forrest Whitaker but he plays Saw Gerrera in these animated video games and he just fits right in there I've rewatched the season 4 Saw episodes of Rebels recently it's so good, it, it's really impressive not a lot of huge actors do it he he does it out of love and it comes through in the character um, but you were t- to talk about the Inquisitors what, what did you particularly like about the two and distinguish the two? Well, I really fell in love with the second sister because her character is very relatable in the sense that her fall, you know, she felt like, I'm not going to say that she was betrayed, but she felt like she was left behind by her master. And you can relate, you can buy into it. Like, the the best kind of villains are the ones that you can understand and relate to and can see yourself becoming under different situations. And it's, it's tragic because she was tortured. I mean, say what you will about Anakin Skywalker and Kylo Ren. This woman was actually physically tortured into being an Inquisitor, which was not necessarily the case with those other two gentlemen. She was broke. 
she 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 was she was broken by the empire. Right, but it wasn't and seduction. She, she had to give in. It wasn't the way yeah. Anakin was seduced and Kylo was seduced. What well, doesn't mean they weren't you know tormented in their own ways. They become tortured and tormented to Kylo and Anakin. But she, the way they framed it, and by seeing her face numerous times, which was really affecting. And obviously, the female female relationship was great, and it's great to see that stuff. I, right, I, it felt like they really sold that she was like Gollum. You know, she was tortured into being being horrible no correct me if i'm wrong i'm sitting here i'm trying to think but have we seen a villain who was pushed to a point where they crack mentally like we hear this in real life where people are pushed to a point where they have a psychological break and they lose sense of what's good and wrong and they become the even the clones the clones were physically programmed to do it against their will so that wasn't the case um i would say the closest would be um um, hmm, the closest would be, if Finn had gone bad, if Finn had murdered those villagers at the beginning of Force Awakens and become a real First Order trooper, that would be a case, but he broke away almost immediately. Um, right, but I don't think he would have been pushed to a psychological break, where with the second sister, I think her psychology, she was broke. You know what I'm saying? Well, she, she she lost that sense of sanity. Do, do, doesn't doesn't Phasma or whoever talk about reprogramming? Right, but FN? I wouldn't consider the same, same thing as a psychological break. Oh no! I, oh, I know. I'm just talking about. I mean, you know, Anakin was manipulated. You know, and eventually led to torturing of himself. Basically, Kylo mm-hmm. is is you know fascinated and seduced. Um, you know, I, I agree with you that this is different. I, so I'm trying to come up with anything where there is physical and or emotional programming or, or torture. And I'm not counting the clones because the clones was literally a chip in their head from before they were born, which is different than the First Order Stormtroopers, which they've done a very poor job in the movies, at least, of talking about the difference between the clones and the First Order Troopers. So I do want to say yes. that even though the second sister and... The nicest of my two favorite characters. It doesn't mean that the other characters weren't good. I think the whole cast is wonderful. Like, it just that they did a great job. The Grab voice some actors. Seat. That's my favorite line. Grab some seat. I say that all the time yep. now. And I, I love the aspect that Sia cut herself off from the force because it adds gravity, not that it needs it, to what Luke did in the last jedi it's like this is a thing that is not only possible but people have done Mm -hmm. and it shows how dramatic of a thing that it is it's like why wouldn't a jedi who survived the purge of revenge of the sith not just cut themselves off from the force it just seems like that is such a simple thing that you would think but if you cut yourself away from the force it's such a dramatic feeling that you're, you're, you're surrounded with the force, you're a part of it, you are living with it, and then you cut yourself off from it. It's like being a social, it's like what humans do, because humans are social animals, they want to be around people, it's important to them, even with the internet, you and I talking, we're not in the same room, but it's, this is still a social interaction, it's like taking a human and shutting them into a room. And then letting them be in the room for longer and longer and longer. And that's difficult to mm-hmm. 
stay who you are because yep. you're not getting that important necessity. Yep. And that is what it's like with the force where it's more of a spiritual level. Obviously, these people can say stay sane, but I think that's why Jedi don't cut themselves off from the force more often is because that is such a hard thing to do. Not because it's hard for them to do, but it's hard for them to be alone and, and to be fair you know luke skywalker and last jedi briefly tries to sell to us and ray that he's cut himself off but we see pretty quickly that he hasn't he's he's cut himself off from the universe but he's as soon as he needs to use the force he's able to no you he cut himself off from the force it's not the hard to reconnect that people it's it, it's in the novelization he cut himself off from the force that is why he did not know about han you know what I'm saying? Well, if, then, he, if you take that if, and this with Sari, then cutting yourself off from the forest is just a, a, a vow a of celibacy. It, it's not really it, cutting yourself off because in both cases, as soon as they need to use lightsabers and force powers, they can do it again. It, 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 it's a switch. Plus, I would argue that we have not seen the actual act of somebody cutting themselves off from the forest. Just because we have not seen it doesn't mean it is not this intense thing that people do it's like people who corrupt crystals and sith and dark jedi who change their crystals to red bleeding a crystal is not the simple thing and we knew that they did it but we didn't know I mean, what they kind gave of it to us it they gave it to us with them i'm sorry we, we <laughs> look look the ahsoka book I think, other than the Claudia Gray books, the Ahsoka book by E.K. Johnson is the best Star Wars book. I have not read nearly the Star Wars books than you. I don't like a lot of, or I'm not crazy about a lot of them. I like every Claudia Gray book. I think the Ahsoka book is phenomenal. I, I'm biased because I listened to the Ashley John, uh, Ashley, Ashley Eckstein read it. I've listened to it twice. But the fact that they're building the entire new Clone Wars major arc of the Siege of Mandalore on a couple of flashbacks in the E.K. Johnston Ahsoka book is amazing. But we also get the bleeding and, you know, changing of the crystal in it. And they gave it to us visually in what I thought... Ilum was the hardest part for me. I was very disoriented. Snow planets in general in games, snow situations, I get very disoriented. It took me a long time to get through Ilum. It was wasn't that I was dying a lot. It was I kept backtracking. I couldn't follow the map or figure out where I was going, which is part of the point, right? I mean, it's like the whole Ahsoka arc with the baby Jedis um, in, in season five of Clone Wars. Like you're supposed to be disoriented by the whole thing, um, and so I appreciated it. And, and I, I didn't want it to end. I wonder if psychologically I was like screwing myself over because I didn't want Ilum to end. I was so geeked by it. It wasn't even the choosing your lightsaber crystal thing. It was just the going there and the journey and this was what's brilliant Jedi Geek Girl I don't want to stop your train of thought was that you think there's only four or five planets but then Ilum gets thrown in and then you get thrown into the the final um oh god where's the the final mission take place it takes place on a moon of uh, I forget the name that it is but it's believed to be in the same system as Mushafer they didn't confirm it but heavily heavily hinted that that's the same but but it's like a fortress interrogate I can't pronounce the word it's like a French word but interrogate it's the Inquisitor's homeworld and we got Darth Vader I totally forgot 
we got Darth Vader. We we briefly fought Darth Vader. I, it, this is like, I mean, Rogue One. They had to tease in the trailer that there would be Vader, but Vader was way cooler. I could not believe they gave us Vader in this game. This is how you know, Jedi Geek Girl. This is how you know that Kathleen Kennedy and company gave their blessing to the Lucas Film people uh, and the Respawn people with this game, is they could use Vader, right? I mean, with everything else, I was like, oh my god. But anyway, back to my train of thought is I really loved her that dynamic to her character because to me it's something the second sister? No, Sia we're cutting herself off the force. Oh serious. But for me for me it just adds more layer of seeing something that we saw also in canon to make the canon a lot more richer instead of something being a one-off that makes any sense so i'm like here's this thing in the movie that i really enjoy being featured into a game it just adds another layer to not only the character but to the universe and i really love that aspect to the character so yeah yeah and from a gameplay aspect you know, Bizzlecast listeners know this. I talk about this a lot. One of my favorite things in movies and in video games is when you flying solo as a powerful character and you're alone the whole time fighting the world and suddenly you get a teammate at the end for the final mission, right? I love that in movies and games. And it, this was awesome because, again, I should have seen coming a mile away that Sari would, would join in the final battle, but getting the Inquisitor's lightsaber and actually jumping in the fight, it doesn't even matter if they do a lot of the fighting. It's just having a teammate there is so glorious and that's part of why you know i mean say what you will about raylo but even non-raylo or borderline raylo people like me love kylo and ray at the end of last jedi because both of them are so lonely and alone all the time and they for even for two seconds are teammates and have a teammate right who have each other's back and then kylo goes evil and ray has to go but you know what i mean like I, i love that in movies i love that in games and so from a gameplay aspect as well as the story aspect i thought that worked amazingly here one of I'm, I'm getting chills right now but one of my favorite moments of the game is we got order 66 and as soon as that yeah. happened you're like oh my god i was playing through it unfortunately i kept dying by falling off the edge but i was starting to get emotional because that music is so powerful and you know what's going on and yeah. you know hey, prequel haters sorry <laughs> you lost we won <laughs> like 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 i did not know it was going to happen until i think shortly shortly before when it when you flash back to it you because during the game before you get to that point you're having flashbacks to training with your master that is how you're quote unquote learning what technically relearning force abilities there's these training sequences and it wasn't until just like you see in other forms of media you know he's talking to his master and in the background behind him you see a stormtrooper pulls out a little communication device and who pops up a Sidious and you know what's going on you don't have to hear it you know order 66 is coming and it, it just it, it's more affecting you, in a video game too because you're helpless because you're not able to control your character in that moment right that's what video games can do is exactly. you've been active the whole time trying to save people save giant birds save civilians save wookies whatever you can do and now all of a sudden you know order 66 coming and you're sitting there holding your controller and unless you have the vibration function on you're just watching helplessly 
exactly. You are part of the story. Even though you're playing a avatar in the video game compared to, like, yeah, you can put yourself into a movie or a cartoon show or a TV show, but in a video game, you're actually a part, you know, that's your avatar, and you're a lot more into it, and I'm not going to say one is better than the other when it comes to emotional investment, but anyways, during that part of the game, and you see the journey, and you know that his master dies, and you're, you're rooting for it, and bringing it back to the previous conversation about the fortress, did you get echoes of that? In the final mission, because I did. Of of. The Order sixty six scene oh, when yeah. Sierra well, was I behind was, the glass. What blew me away in terms of canon uh, in prequel in Clone Wars connections was so here in Wiki it says General Grievous came and murdered all the Night uh, Night Sisters. Now, my understanding was that Sidious was always the one behind. So Sidious stole the mad, the dark magic or whatever from Dathomir and then murdered everybody, right? And that's that's how Maul was enslaved and so forth. This is Grievous. Did they mention Grievous by name or is the wiki taking a leap of faith here? Um, it is a whole Clone Wars episode. No, I know, I I understand that. I'm talking about just the game, because my point was going to be, I wish they had made a little bit of a clear connection of why Sidious murdered everyone on Dathomir after stealing their magic, um, which he's going to be using in the new movie, by the way, which is going to involve the world between worlds and Ahsoka. Anyways, moving on. Um, it, it was just interesting because they mentioned Grievous by name here, and it's because it's the nerd wiki, and so they're making the connection you made with the Clone Wars. I was just wondering if I forgot they mentioned by name, because I think the, the awesome, by the way, stealing the show in the final 10% of the fucking game was the the, the the beautiful Russian accented night sister was spectacular and I, I look it's like Jin and Cassian I love movies Star Wars or otherwise that sell subtle romance or hints of romance late in subtle ways and you can leave it to the imagination is there a romance between you know does, does Cal have a thing for her it seemed like he did he immediately wanted to trust her and help her I don't know I'm glad they leave it to the imagination that voice actress and that animation was awesome and again having a teammate with her was so cool oh my god the more I talk about this game the more I like it go ahead yeah, exactly. I felt like the same way. And I, I loved a little nods to that Clone Wars episode where you feel like forced echoes and you, 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 you put yourself in a situation of what it was like being this species, this race of people on this planet and all suddenly get wiped out by this mechanical army. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it really puts you in that situation because they did not know who John Grievous was. They did not know who his name was. They... they uh, do you know what? Can I, I'm sorry. Can I just get general real quick? Because um, I really appreciate your time. I don't want to go too long. I know you have stuff to do. We're going to have to do a part two of this podcast. Um, I will say, although there's tons of Clone Wars and prequel stuff, you know the Star Wars property that I thought of the most from beginning to end in this? You could probably guess. Rogue One. Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. With with the with the creatures and the fantasy and the force stuff and the the amazing Padawan master, you know, I continue to say that Kanan Ezra is the best Padawan master relationship in all of Star Wars because they had so long to develop it and it was so great. Um, and 
You know, when when the stuff that you're talking about, these big revelations were going on, yes, of course, I thought about the Clone Wars and the prequels, but I always think about Spark of the Rebellion, the first episode, double episode, and the first episode, uh, first season of Star Wars Rebels, and Ezra and Kanan are getting in on the fight, and Ezra goes, you care to let me in on the secret? And Kanan goes, kid, I'm about to let everyone in on the secret. And you're just like, oh! And he pulls out the lightsaber. That's what this game did. Was like you knew it was going to be lightsaber fighting in Jedi, but it felt new and fresh, right? I mean, in a way that it's starting to. It can occasionally feel stale in the new movies or you know the shows or whatever. Like it just all felt fresh. The Jedi stuff in this and Jedi Geek Girl. This is one of my big points. I don't want to cut off any thoughts that you have. We have to talk about the giant bird creature, by the way. Um, but before we shut this down, uh, but I have to say. Everything between episode three, let's put it this way, everything between episode two slash three and four continues to be amazing, and I'm including the Clone Wars, and I'm of course including Rebels, and I'm of course including Rogue One, and now I'm including this game. I mean, it's genius, and that's why the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is great, and that's why I was writing a book about Obi-Wan and Ahsoka between three and four, and I think that's what they're gonna do uh, in the Obi-Wan series, Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, we're the Cassian series, obviously, like, I, I mean, I, I don't think I need to, to, to twist your arm uh, on this one, but everything that we get, starting with episode three up until episode four, continues to be gold in all media, in my opinion. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, I wouldn't disagree one The dark bit, times sure. are just are just endlessly fascinating. And uh, look, I know you... I, I, I don't want to... I, I don't want to denigrate all of the books, the novelizations of the movies and the books that fill in, you know, Rose's and Paige's character and whatever. It's that in the comics, which I read some of. That's all great. The bottom line is they have not done a great job for the mainstream in making the period between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens super interesting. And that's a huge problem, but it's also a huge opportunity that I I have to think they will start exploring once they finish this trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, the Mandalorian is the first thing we have, but it just feels like like it takes place during the trilogy. Yeah, I would like to save. I would definitely like to save that for another episode because we can do another two hours. Well, on no, no, but, but, no, no, but right. The, the point here about the game is just that. You know, this game wasn't only good because it takes place between three and four, but goddamn, I don't know anything, books, comics, video games, or cartoons, animated shows, that we've gotten between three and four that hasn't been great. Hasn't been great. And, and, and I know you don't love the solo movie, but the, the lore in the solo movie is awesome, you know? And it was clearly done with love. Um to, to, to me, Jedi Fallen Order did things right when it came to the lore and being a part of a larger universe. It is what I think is amazing. No, it's not what I think it is what amazing is amazing about Rebels and the Clone Wars. It's, it's not just the story set upon this time, but it's the story set in this point of time that is connected to everything else. You have all these connections to different aspects of canon that actually makes it a part of canon mm-hmm. instead of being this isolated story that is mm-hmm. more disconnected and actually connected. Like one of my favorite things about Rebels is yeah, it takes place in the quote-unquote original trilogy. Yeah, yeah technically before original trilogy but it's basically original trilogy show 
but you're connected to Rogue One. You're connected to the Clone Wars. You're connected to all the different. Right, but what did Rogue One do? Rogue One brought in the first animated series character to live action ever, and Saw Gerrera, who's, you know, a major character in the Clone Wars. And so, I know Rogue One technically takes place 48 hours before Episode 4, but to me, it still feels like it's between 3 and 4, even though it happens right between 4. And Rebels leads up to that, and this is sort of in the middle, and Solo's in the middle somewhere. I actually thought they were going to maybe run across Lando or Solo or something in this. Pardon me. I'm glad they didn't, but I think thought maybe that would happen or, or kira but, but but you know what i'm saying right yeah of course of course yeah yeah, yeah I, look, the bottom line is we agree is that for whatever reason the dark time stuff just continues to, to mine absolute gold in all media yeah i just wish they would explore it as they're having but. trouble that's what i'm saying well, well look I, I think as we head to the close here i <laughs> It's it's obvious that they have restrained the history of Kylo Ren and the history of how Leia and Luke fell apart and blah, 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 blah. They've restrained it until they finish this trilogy. And once this trilogy ends, I think we're going to get a deluge of books and comic books and, and may, hopefully video games and other media, shows, whatever, that take place during Jedi, between Jedi and... Uh, uh, and um, uh, episode 7 because you know what the one book that specifically follows th- this uh, this trend in bloodline with Leia 6 years or whatever before uh before episode 7 is not only my favorite and I think the best adult Star Wars book I'm not going to say the best book but there's not that many truly adult Star Wars books I know that some they like, say are adult that aren't teen fiction they're almost all teen fiction in my opinion which is fine I read teen fiction fantasy and stuff all the time I love that stuff but Bloodline was a truly adult book it was an amazing Leia character study I absolutely love Bloodline uh, and it's it's not it's I think one of the best science fiction books of all time, let alone Star Wars, and it is fascinating, and it's all politics. I mean, there's some great lovey-dovey stuff with Han Solo and Last Minute Rescues, right? But you have to admit, like, when they actually try it and they give it to Claudia Gray with Leia, there's absolute gold between six and seven, so there has to be material there. To me, I'm not so worried about it because I know it's coming. That's it's not coming. Something. Okay, well, that's what I wanted you to yeah. say, because you know Hold more on. about this than me. Yeah, because it, it is something that logistically makes sense. You know, I'm not too worried about it. I'm not sitting here and being like, oh, I wish I had stuff more post-Return post of the Jedi proof The Force Awakens. No, I'm a little bit more like I want more stories before Attack of the Clones. That it, that interests me. I think it's a very rich era for storytelling that I think creatives have gotten put off because of the quote-unquote representation of, not representation, the illusion of be the per- perception of the prequel trilogy era. and I'm like if you look at the concept of that era before the Clone Wars I think that is a very rich era and a lot of the stories that takes place before the Attack of the Clones are some of my favorite like Jedi Lost I love the Panama book and there's another one coming out that I'm really excited for there's Master and Apprentice to me that is, there's a lot there that they haven't touched that is very interesting it's very intriguing to me and it's something I would like them to explore because 
I know we're getting dark yeah, stuff, dark time stuff. I know we're getting stuff post Return of the Jedi. I know we're getting stuff post Rise of Skywalker. That is stuff that I know and I don't have to worry about because I know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I want them to do things and explore things that I don't know is coming. You know what I'm saying? And that yeah, might, yeah. quote-unquote, be unpopular, but yeah. I think if people were to explore these errors, I think people would be blown away at the mm-hmm. story potential that is there on the table that is not being touched. Although, again, my Rogue One argument is that what truly makes Rogue One brilliant is that we went into the movie, even casual fans, we know where it's going, we know it's about the Death Star plans, we know there's Vader, we know they're probably going to die... And we know that it's going to lead to episode four, but there's still so many surprise character and even plot surprises within that movie is what's so impressive. I agree with you. And, you know, that's why Ryan Johnson is going to operate in a different time and place whenever that happens. And that's whenever, you know, the other directors, which I hope includes Joss Whedon. I mean, if look, they're basically aping fire. Let's just get this out of there. They're aping fire. Firefly, especially in the last Mandalorian episode, was a straight Firefly episode, but it was a much worse episode than a Firefly episode, but it was basically a Firefly episode. Let's be honest. The way they talked, the training the villagers to fight the the, the evil bad guys, blah, 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 blah. You know, they even look like Reavers or whatever. I mean, it was so blatantly a a, a ripoff. No offense, Bryce Dallas Howard. You gotta do better next time. Uh, It was not amazing, but but, you know, like, Joss Whedon has got to do a Star Wars movie. They got rid of the Game of Thrones, guys, which we all wanted. Thank God. And now we got to get Joss Whedon. I would love Ryan Coogler, uh, who does Black Panther, to to do one of them. But I think they're going to start operating in other times and places. The problem is, JGG, unless you do Knights of the Old Republic, which I think someone has to do to tie together the history of the Jedi and the Sith, but also the Mandalorians. I mean, let's be honest. We've got the show The Mandalorian. We've got the Siege of Mandalore. You know, I mean, we're going to keep getting Mandalorian stuff You know, when it's done well. is great. We love Tina Sirkar, Katie Sackhoff, and so forth, uh, as to be the Bo-Katan, uh, you know, that's the Mandalorian stuff we want, um, so that's, you know, that's sort of ancient history stuff, but, you know, Obi-Wan's a prequel, Cassian's a prequel, I don't know, I don't think it's that they're scared to do other st- times and places, I just don't think they know how to do it, because this is all based on the original trilogy, and I know that you bristle about about original trilogy talk, but the bottom line is, without 1977, Star Wars later renamed Episode Four A New Hope, none of this would happen. And so it's like, you know what I mean? It's like Tolkien without The Hobbit, or you know, like, like without Harry Potter without and, and Fantastic Beasts without the first Harry Potter book. Like it's all going to come from the source, and I think that's the problem that they're having. It is my feeling on, on the issue that I think you're bringing up. I don't know what exactly that has to do with my point, but yeah. No, you said you, you wish that they would do stuff in other times and places, right? That wasn't just between three and four or six and seven. Right, but I don't think they cannot not do it. Like, no, no, if that makes no, any no. Sense. I, I agree. I'm just saying I think they're struggling 
to figure out how to do it and still make it feel like Star Wars is what I'm saying. I'm not excusing it. I'm not making excuses for them. I, I'm just I'm, I, if I'm getting into the head of the writers because you've got brilliant minds like Dave Filoni and so forth. You'd think they would figure it out, but people keep loving, you know, everything from Rogue One to The Mandalorian to Clone Wars and Rebels, and, you know, and so, you know, and Jedi Fallen Order, which we just raved about for the last hour and a half, so... I I, I just think it comes from a perception point of view. Okay. If if that makes any sense. I think if you had 30-plus years, I'm trying to think of the time span here, 32 years between one era of Star Wars and another era of Star Wars, you always looked at a franchise through that lens and that for you to shift that if to shift that perspective, I'm not saying you can't shift your perspective. It's not easy and stuff like that. And I think once you get creatives in who not only are willing to take the chance but have a different perspective on it, I think you'll get more stories that are a lot more mm. fitting of that, if that makes any sense. Like somebody who been a Star Wars fan for 40 years in 1999, it's going to look at The Phantom Menace and somebody who was 10 and, and have that history. And and, and I'm not saying a 60-year-old is going to have a worse take on a prequel trilogy uh, story than a 25-year-old. That's not what I'm just saying. I'm just saying that everybody has different perspectives. Look, look the guy who's your guy, your man, your fave, Ryan Johnson, who I really respect... Even though I don't love Last Jedi as much as you, I do love him. I know you saw Knives Out. Everyone says it's great. Even people who don't love Last Jedi say it's great because he's a great fucking director. I think anything that was a problem for some people in Last Jedi was in their brains or just the pressure of the entire thing. And with his second shot at a Star Wars movie, your guy Ryan Johnson, with his brains, his youth, his energy, and his creativity, is the guy to do the first Star Wars movie that's not in this century of history, right? He's the guy to do it. I agree 100%. I think he takes risk. I think he has a unique take on stories. I I need to watch Looper again, that's for sure. I I think he he has a sense of, even though I hate to bring generations into it, even though he's technically the same generation as Filoni, I love Filoni, um, for Favreau and stuff like that, he has a different perspective and that adds, that enforces my point that just because you're a certain age doesn't mean you automatically fit into this fixed perception based on your age and your experience. And, And I think why they don't explore it is because if you want to explore that area you need to be creative you need yeah. to take the risk and i think people what wh- whatever social thing you want to put on it don't want to take that risk and see that 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 area is has this perception that it's not enjoyed by fans but i think fans uh, haven't they, they need to give a story a chance and i think if they got that chance i think if a story was made in that air i think if they opened this themselves open to it i think they would be surprised it's the same thing with ryan johnson i think when ryan johnson does his trilogy yep. and they see his first movie well, if they open one at a time let's take one at a time we're happy ryan's getting another movie despite all the haters let's, let's Let, not go crazy 
Well, he signed a contract, but anyway. So did the, the Game of Thrones people. And with Kathleen, I told you this would happen, by the way. Not you. People out there. I told you this would happen in Game of Thrones. I said if Kathleen Kennedy sniffed that the Game of Thrones guys were not 120% up to the task, she would kick them out the door, and that's exactly what happened. So, so anyway, finishing, finishing my statement here, I, I think if fans were to open themselves up, I, I think they would be amazed by it, and I think that applies to prequel trilogy stories as well. But Well, look, oh, the bottom oh, line on this, make- and I'm going to give you a final thought, is the prequel trilogy haters have lost, and that's why they're so mad and continue to troll and hate, because, the, you know, Lucasfilm has made the smart, you know, decision to c- treat the prequels like as much as everything else. And again, with the Dark Time stuff and the Clone Wars coming back and everything, we're actually getting more prequel stuff than maybe we thought. Um, and and so they've lost, uh, but it doesn't mean that the perception is gone. People are still going to hate Ryan Johnson and hate The Last Jedi going forward, no matter what. And we just have to deal with that. And they're going to have to deal with that. I, I, I do think how Lucasfilm is doing it is very smart. They originally started like in 2014, 2015, focusing on the original trilogy uh, stuff, and they have been slowly expanding out and adding more lore to the prequel trilogy stuff. They are slowly including it, and I think that is smart because it's not this sudden push of prequel trilogy stuff it seeps into it and it becomes so normal that when whatever it may be is featured into that thing is no big deal because it's been an important part about it and as far as the prequel trilogy goes yeah there's some people who have problems yeah there's people who are stuck on Jar Jar, Anakin, Episode 2 romance they just they either are stuck on it or they move down to the sequel trilogy and that's not my problem my problem Problem. My focus, not really a problem, my focus is on what I love and what I enjoy. And you know what? I'm tired of this perception of you have to dislike X or you have to like Y because this is how you're supposed to be a Star Wars fan. And that's not what it was. Like, the, the prequel trilogy is my history. It's what I grew up into. And I felt ashamed because I didn't hate it. And I felt like there was, because I didn't, like... I, I, I don't want to say I fell into the popular void of, oh, this is bad, but it's like everybody's saying it, it must be true instead of realizing it's not about what other people say, it's not about what's this popular, it's about how I feel about it, it's about my personal emotion, yeah. it's not more about me conforming to opinion, and, and I think, and that's one of my frustrations, and I do want to get off this topic because we can keep talking about it, but, and that's one that's of my problems. It, it's it's if, important every, though, yeah. Everybody wants something that connects to them, and everybody wants something to connect to them that connects them to their childhood. And I do realize that you have 40 years of people who have have this childhood with the original trilogy, and yeah, that is my childhood too, but I actually lived through, and I grew, and I developed through the prequel trilogy, and that is very nostalgic for me. And I want the same thing that the original trilogy fans wanted in the prequel trilogy era, and they still want today. And I think that everybody did to have that not just one generation or one set of people and that i know that takes time and like you said you know the same thing with power rangers mighty morphin power rangers a lot of the focus on the marketing for everything power rangers related related is that era of power rangers because it was first it broke the ground it's what people no it didn't it's still blatantly from voltron come on let's be honest it was a blatant ripoff of voltron 
it was Super Sentai, and Super <laughs> Sentai goes back to the, the right. early 80s, so right. that came yeah. long before Voltron. Not long, because Voltron was like 85, 86, but sure. Well, I think Power Rangers goes back to the late 70s. Not Power Rangers, but Super Sentai. But anyways, what I'm I was trying to say... Yeah. And Naomi Scott's a huge star now. You're welcome, world. <laughs> but anyways, what I was going to say, and I'm, I'm going to wrap up this point, yes. is... It, my favorite Power Rangers is Power Rangers Lost in Space, but I realized that all this marketing for Power Rangers has to be Mighty Morphin related, and it's the same with Star Wars. You know, I totally get it, but that doesn't mean that my feeling towards something specific sure. to Star Wars, and the same thing can be said to Legend fans. I think Legend fans and me have that same com- that thing in common where we have this connection to something with Star Wars that we want to see more of or we want to see expanded upon because that is our youth and even though me and the quote unquote legend fan disagree upon that I think that is something that we can get it you know I totally get the focus but we we want the same thing as older fans want or other people want we want we want that connection and I feel like I don't get that and I feel like and not that so much I'm not being heard because I am I mean the sequel trilogy is one of the things I really love but it it, it just you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. So, but that 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 doesn't mean I. I just wish you realized people like you, it, all the shit you went through. You've won. I mean, there's a lot of assholes still, but in terms of the Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni regime, like you guys won. In terms of the prequels of the Clone Wars and that stuff that you love, and even Legends got work has been worked in in Rebels, and, and we're seeing you know and elsewhere. Like you, you guys won. You should be happy about that. Oh, I, I, I think we won the day when Disney declared canon, and the prequel trilogy was on that list. You know what I'm saying? Because no, I know. it will it's always just, be canon. I, I know that you guys still get upset about you know trolls out there who say stupid things. But the the reason they're saying even more stupid things is because they've lost and you've won. And I include myself in the winners, even though I don't love the prequels, but I, I consider it a thousand percent awesome canon, if nothing else. And they they lost and, and we've won. And we, we just need to ignore them and treat them like the petty, pathetic losers that they are who don't like gay people, women, or people of color. And, and you know what I mean? They're Trumpers. And the Trumpers have, you know, they're, they're always going to feel that way. Um, so people out there. You're not listening to this if you're a Trumper after 300 Bizzlecast, but everybody else, let's rally together and just accept that we've won in Star Wars. They've lost. I mean, even the Mandalorian, which we thought was going to be just straight. I mean, we don't love it, but it's just going to be straight fodder for the mainstream. We got Baby Yoda and Force stuff going on, and they're saving people. It's like I didn't see that coming. I just, and, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, yeah. I, I just don't know how somebody can hold on to a grudge for Doesn't going matter. on 20, for 21 years with the Phantom Menace. I, I just don't get it. It doesn't no, matter. If you don't, Ignore that. If, 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 if you don't like it, if you don't like Jaja, fine. Yeah. But if you're going to have this emotional grudge held on for that long, it's like, dude, let go. Okay. So we love Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, we're going to save Mandalorian, but you and I are on the same page. I think, like... I had higher expectations. 
you had low expectations. I'm actually liking it slightly more than I thought after the first episode, which I thought was terrible, even though it was directed by Dave Filoni. I don't know how that happened. Um, it still has problems. This is entertaining. It's good. We're getting we're getting Clone Wars, but more importantly, Jaggy Girl, let's go out on the high note. The Rise of Skywalker is coming out. We got John Boyega posting videos of him writing love letters to Poe. I'm sorry, Tosker Isaac. And they're stressing the humor in the fucking trail in, in the in the in the spots in the trailers, which they need to do. It's not there was no humor in the Last Jedi, but it was very dark and very dour. Um, I, I think there was way more humor in Rogue One than the Last Jedi. We, it, that's why we need J.J. Abrams back. Uh, Ryan Johnson was the perfect guy to do the weird, crazy, bizarre, dark middle movie, and J.J. Abrams is the guy to give us the Poe and Finn one-liners as Ray kicks ass and mind controls people. Right? I lo- am I right? Yeah, yeah, and and I'm I'm really excited for Rise of Skywalker. I I yeah. definitely cannot wait, and I don't have any doubt. Yeah. And again, trolling the haters, you know, all the Mary Sue Ridley assholes who are like, oh, you know, how does Rey learn to mind control people in Force Awakens, blah, blah, blah. And they just show it in the trailer that she does it again now. I'm like, ah, ha, ha, you assholes. You know what I mean? I love it. And then Poe's got that great line. You're like, has she been doing that to us? <laughs> you know, you know, my, 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 my favorite thing about it is, is, is in the Force Awakens, you have Rey, your sensibility, and you have these people be like, oh, why, how did she? do it and Lucasfilm is like hold my beer and introduce baby Yoda <laughs> yeah exactly hold my beer baby Yoda uh, or how about Luke Skywalker who is way less convincing in his transformation into a super powerful Jedi than Rey um, but that's a different story and I mean, I again, mean, one I mean, of the brilliant, Anna- sorry, one of the brilliant Ryan Johnson touches that people who worship Luke Skywalker don't understand was that Luke, even though he won against Vader by accident almost, it was never properly trained and was the worst person to try and restart the Jedi Order. And that is why he went crazy and did a horrible job trying to do it. And that's what Ryan was dealing with that people don't understand. And and Finn says it perfectly in a trailer when he's talking about the Force. It's an instinct. Mm. It's, it's it's like it's like Anakin. Anakin Skywalker was racing Pod when he was nine years old. It was an instinct. It's not something he trained himself to do. The Force is an instinct. I like that, you know? by the way. Even though Finn is totally not Force sensitive, he did fight with a lightsaber twice. But I I, I like the idea that just by being around Rey, um. You know, the same way we talk about, like, Chirrut and Baze and some other characters, you know, or even, like, some of the Rebels crew just being around Kanan and Ezra, like, Sabine, you know, kind of picks up some Force wisdom without picking up Force powers. I kind of like the idea that Finn, just by being around Rey, is tr- even though he's not the smartest guy, you know, and, and he's got a crazy, terrible background, would sort of be fascinated and, and try and learn some of that wisdom. I hope that's what they're doing, um, but we'll see. So, speaking of Rebels, yes. I am definitely getting an itch to rewatch it, and we'll probably be rewatching it sometime next year, probably sooner rather than later. But I'm getting that itch to watch it because it's, it's been I love because it. it's been two years since I watched it, and I wanted to soak. Like I, I love the Star Wars movies, but I have to share each rewatch. I can't just watch them back to back to back to back to back because they they lose their thing. And it's been two years since the finale. I think about two years, almost two years since the finale of Rebels. 
and it's starting to not necessarily fade, but that time is growing. It's it's like with the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I want to revisit that, but I don't want to revisit it too soon because I want to revisit these Deep shows. Anime, yep. Mm-hmm. And and be like, okay, I forgot about this. You know what I'm saying? I want to have the emotional reaction without yeah. it being robbed. It's the same thing with the Rogue One, uh, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, uh, The Last Jedi. Is these, these movies have emotional, powerful beats yeah. that if you experience it over and over again, it, they lose that touch a little bit. But if you don't watch them... Uh, too often, they still have the emotional impact or whatever. And the same can be said so about this. But let's end on that, and then you'll promote, and we'll sign off because I want to make sure this first recording on my new mic is is acceptable as I think it is. What is what are your current top five Star Wars movies? Go. In order, in in, in order, it would be yeah. start from five. Three. Can you start from five, or is that too sure, hard? Uh, yeah. I, 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 Rogue I, I, One I is go. five. Yeah, Rogue One is five, then Return of the Jedi, then The Last Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, and then Revenge of the Sith. Interesting, interesting, interesting. You know my top five? Uh, Rogue One's number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two is Return of the Jedi. Yep. Uh, Number three is... Keep going. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Oh, I, Empire yep. seems like an empty empire. Yep. It's, it's, either, it's either don't don't let me read through them before you answer. It's either revenge, solo, nope. or a new hope. It's new hope is four, and Force Awakens is five. Knife yeah. Solo, I love thing many things about Solo and Seth. I do love, but I for sure have Force Awakens uh, after Rogue One, which is I consider part of the original trilogy. Uh, of all the other movies, Force Awakens is the one I enjoy the most and find the most rewatchable. Um, I don't know if that makes it the best, but then I have Sith. Uh, Last Jedi and Solo all floating in that middle area. That's where it gets very hard for me to rank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, I meant to have you promote early on, but we wanted to jump in. So, promote uh, I Rebel. I am curious about the state of Star Wars Destiny because I don't follow it and I haven't talked to you about it. I assume it's still happening and it's still a game. Yeah, it is. We're going through a dry period right now just because of a product product delay and the game is kind of stale because we've been on the same meta for like six months. So it's kind of hard what to say the future is going to be. So we're just kind of like new games from (laughs) licensed properties. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll see it, but right, right now it's kind of like a a, okay. a slow period still thing. So all right, so I rebel destiny go. Yes, you can find I Rebel on any podcast feed by searching I Rebel, a Star Wars Destiny podcast. I am Jedi Geek Girl. You can find me everywhere at Jedi Geek Girl. You can find my podcast everywhere on social media at. I Rebel Destiny. We have a Facebook page, a Twitter page, an Instagram page, and we have a website at iRebelDestiny.com. 
Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much today, Geek Girl. That was amazing. We went almost two hours, and I feel like we still... We didn't talk about the bird. We didn't talk about the droid reveal either, which had me literally in tears when I figured out what was going on with the droid and the hologram the whole time, like Cal did. I was in fucking tears. Also, I want to praise Monahan, who was amazing as my ginger baby, Cal. Early on, he was just a straight-ahead Jedi, but as he was called to do board emotion as it went on, I thought he nailed it as Captain America. America. It's like Chris Evans. Like Captain America should be the least interesting character, but he ends up being so great because of the performance. I felt like this was a Captain America performance where you wanted him to bring the good side out of people, right? Like everyone he came across, even as a kid, he wanted to bring the good side out of. I love that when, when they pull it off. But really quickly, and we'll actually sign off, Monaghan's performance. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I, I thought it was very memorable. It was very engaging and I, I definitely would look forward to meeting him at Star Wars Celebration and I'm, you know they're going to have a panel because now the story is completely revealed and I'm sure they'll talk about it mm-hmm. and yeah he's definitely usually unfortunately I dictate who I get autographs by depending on if they have a Star Wars Destiny card but he's definitely one that I would like to get that's for sure yeah and um just FYI, I have I have so many video game waifus, but Marin, the the last uh, <laughs> night sister, is definitely my most recent and top of video game waifu. She is amazing. Right. Yep. I definitely she's amazing. Beautiful people in Star Wars. That's all we want, right? Give it to us. So thank you, Jedi Geek Girl. I cannot wait. Um, it, I know you've got so much going on. If we can fit in a pre-episode uh, 9 podcast, we will do it. Otherwise, uh, w- we will see you on the podcast at the end of the year, early next year, to talk about the movie. Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you, JGG. Uh, thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. Um, and you're definitely my good luck charm with the new mic. Everything's working great, so I am happy. Um, you guys gave me an amazing month of downloads in November, despite my lack of output. So thank you for your, your guys' loyalty and support. Always appreciated. Coming at, with a video, full-length video uh, podcast uh, in the next couple weeks, having to do with the Video Game Awards with my guy Ethan in Austin of the Awkward Controllers. Speaking of video game podcast, um, but for now, may the force be with you, and we are out. Yum, yum. Oh, hey.